Hi, and welcome to the Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. Religious conservatives and nationalists in the Muslim world and beyond have the wind in their sails. So do Arab autocrats, even if they increasingly cloak themselves in nationalism rather than religious conservatism. Last week's first election round in Turkey saw conservatives and ultranationalists win control of parliament. At the same time, Recep Tayyip Erdogan appears set to win a third presidential term in this Sunday's runoff against opposition leader Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu. Irrespective of whether he is re-elected, Mr. Erdogan's conservative religious and national coalition will enjoy a 322-seat majority in the 600-member Turkish parliament. To even stand a chance of defeating Mr. Erdogan in the May 28 presidential runoff, Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu has hardened his anti-migrant and anti-Kurdish rhetoric since the May 14 first round in which he trailed the president by 5%. Turkey is home to the world's largest Syrian refugee committee, estimated at 3.7 million, followed by Lebanon and Jordan. As a result, Syrian refugees, like other minorities and disadvantaged groups, will be among the losers, no matter who emerges as Turkey's next president. The Syrian plight is compounded by the Arab welcoming of President Bashar al-Assad's return earlier this month to the Arab fold when he attended an Arab League summit in Jeddah. Instead of establishing criteria for handling the millions of people displaced by Mr. al-Assad's brutal conduct during a decade-long civil war, Arab leaders catered to the Syrian leader's insistence that refugees return to his war-ravaged country. The lack of criteria has opened the door to forced deportations, even if authorities in host countries deny the involuntary removal of refugees, and Arab officials insist that their return must be voluntary. Conservative religious support for Mr. Erdogan and his Justice and Development Party, AKP, fits a global mold. Polling of public opinion in the Arab Middle East over the last year suggests a return to conservative and traditional values and increased religiosity. At the other end of the Muslim world, reformers in Indonesia are concerned that Anis Basmedan, a former Jakarta governor with close ties to religious conservatives, including the Muslim Brotherhood, as well as Islamic militants, is one of three top candidates for the presidency in February 2024. These links raise concerns among Indonesia's religious minorities, which make up 13% of the population, as well as many moderate Muslims, said journalist Joseph Rahman. Beyond the Muslim world, but staying in the Middle East, Israel, currently governed by the most ultra-conservative and ultra-nationalist coalition in its history, is at war with itself. Government policies and statements have strained relations with the United States, 
and significant segment of the Jewish diaspora. They have also escalated tensions with Palestinians in the occupied West Bank and the besieged Gaza Strip. In Turkey, the one other Middle Eastern country where polarization potentially could spark a full-fledged culture war, battle lines have so far primarily been drawn along the lines of democratic freedoms, allegations of corruption, and economic policies. Even if identity politics, culture warring, and anti-migrant rhetoric were part of Mr. Erdogan's electoral arsenal. To be sure, Iran is the Middle East's true outlier. 44 years after the creation of an Islamic Republic, culture was at the core of months of anti-government protests that sought to reduce, not increase, the religion's role in politics. The protests were sparked by the death in custody last September of Mahsa Amini, a 22-year-old Kurdish woman detained by morality police in Tehran in September for allegedly wearing her hijab improperly. Interestingly, the renewed popularity of religious conservatism has not sparked culture wars in the Arab Middle East, like battles fought in polarized societies, such as Israel, the United States, and India, or Christian faith communities like the Anglican Church. In most Arab countries, rulers pushing social and economic rather than political change subjugate religious elites potentially opposed to their liberalizing reforms. In addition, the repression of freedom of expression makes nonviolent culture wars virtually impossible. So does the criminalization of apostasy and blasphemy, or in Saudi Arabia, defining atheism calls as an act of terrorism. Finally, Arab autocrats and authoritarians were early adapters as they waged a brutal campaign against Islamists in the wake of the 2011 popular Arab revolts in what analysts such as Shadi Hamid said amounted to a cultural war. The campaign rolled back the achievements of the revolts that toppled Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, and Yemen's leaders. A 2013 United Arab Emirates and Saudi-backed military coup overthrew Mohamed Morsi, a Muslim brother and Egypt's first and only democratically elected president. In addition, wars were waged to counter Islamists and jihadists in Syria, Libya, and Yemen. In a twist of irony, that may only have been round one in a Middle Eastern culture war. If recent polling is any indication, political Islam is making a comeback alongside religious conservatism, at least in terms of public sentiment. In most countries surveyed, young and old, citizens demonstrate a clear preference for giving religion a greater role in politics, said Michael Robbins, director and co-principal investigator of Arab Barometer. The group regularly surveys public opinion in the Middle East. In 2021 to 2022, roughly half or more in five of ten countries surveyed agreed that religious clerics should influence decisions of government, Mr. Robbins added.
to be sure, the comeback may remain restricted to support in anonymous polling. There is little, if any, space for political Islam to express itself in countries like Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and Egypt. In exile, Islamist space is narrowing. For now, that gives autocrats and authoritarians the upper hand. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Diplomats, policymakers, investors, executives, journalists, and academics listen to my twice-weekly podcast and or read my syndicated newsletter that is republished by media across the globe. Maintaining free distribution ensures that the podcast and newsletter have maximum impact. Paid subscribers help me cover the monthly cost of producing the newsletter and podcast. Please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Or support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash soccer. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. Thank you. Take care and best wishes. Thank you.